The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility responsible gaming resources. What's up, guys? Kelsey Charles and not Megan Murray here. Uh, and you are listening to Girls Talking Boys, though. Don't worry. Still provided to you by SB Nation. But joining me today is a very special guest. I'm going to call you my co-host today because, like, Woo! it's still girls talking uh, boys in terms of, like, boys playing the football. So Carmen Vitali from the Draft Network is joining us today. Carmen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me co-host. I'm so unbelievably honored. And now I'm, you know, I'm on the spot now. Like the pressure's on. It's great. I'm going to ask you some like- Well really, under pressure. Yeah. Like really hard hitting questions. I just need you guys to know like the dedication that Carmen has to coming on the show today. She's literally sitting in the closet of her Airbnb and in Indy at the, <laughs> at the Combine just to make sure that you guys get the best audio quality. So like this yes. is commitment because to the cause. Commitment to the cause. The acoustics in here are just immaculate. I'm surrounded by towels and a vacuum cleaner. I'm staring at a vacuum cleaner. It's fantastic. I'm sure the vacuum cleaner surely is doing something for you. Like that's got to help. Of course. It's, it's I love the, it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, just all good vibes all around. <laughs> it's sucking the bad vibes out of the situation. Yes. 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 <laughs> that was a stretch. Okay. So for those of you that may not know Carmen, um, she spent the last couple of seasons over with the Tampa Bay Bucks, who was a team reporter. So uh, you're not only a badass, but you're also a Super Bowl champion, which uh, that's amazing. So congrats on that. I actually do want to ask you a question because um, did you get a ring? And I also knew that some of the women at the Cowboys from when the Cowboys won, you know, back in the day day, and that's a sore subject, we know. But some of them, I'm being, I'm going to be nice enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Some of them have like necklaces. Like what are the options these days? So it's interesting, guys. I do uh, have a ring, and it is a different version than what the players and the coaches got, but it was not, like, and that's pretty typical of these teams that give their staff rings. Like, it's a very nice ring, and I honestly was expecting a little bit more of a drop-off because our ring is still very, very close to the player and coaches' rings. It's entirely too heavy to wear on a daily basis. Uh, (laughs) I can't even type with it on. Um, it's by far the most expensive thing I own and it's, but it's really, really cool to see your name, your family's name on a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. So that's wild. And they do have, so when you get the ring, you know, whatever jeweler you go through, we went through Jason Beverly Hills. Um, they send you this like sheet 
uh, like for family and friends, like products essentially that you can buy. And when I tell you like the cheapest thing on there was like eight grand and I was like, ha, this is not, I'm, this is not geared towards me, but they do have a pendant that is the face of the real ring of the player and coach's ring yeah. um, on, on a chain. So it's the face of that. And um, yeah, you can buy the, you had the option to buy that. I think it was like $40,000 or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. So no. like, I know, I know Christine Arians has one. Yeah. Bruce's, Bruce's wife. Um, she, he, he got her one. Um, but I'm like, yeah, again, I'm not the target market for anything on this list. There were these really adorable hoops too, that I could have gotten and I, they were legitimately eight grand and I'm like, Oh, never mind. Oh. So I have my ring. I am very happy with my ring. Um, everyone in the organization, full-timers got a ring. Uh, and it's, it's, it was surreal. And that's why you work for a team, right? It's like, you get yeah. the chance to Maybe do that if you're in the right place at the right time. And, and that ha- happened to have happened. Yeah, that's so cool. I um, I was supposed to come down to the Tampa Bay game at the beginning of last season. Yeah, um, you made the reservation, actually, you that guys, I attended yes. with the Cowboys' Dave Hellman, Cowboys' yes. own Dave Hellman. Yes. Uh, yeah, he was like, funny story, the girl that made this reservation, who I really wanted you to meet as well, <laughs> isn't actually here. So <laughs> literally I got up, I like, I called Burns Steakhouse like six months in advance. Children, we're not doing You that. have to, you I know. legitimately have to. And I was like, I was like, um, we need a reservation for like 15, like, ma'am, you're going to have to call us back at 7am on this date, which is like 60 days before the day that we wanted our reservation. And I was like, okay. And I did just that. I went through all this effort and then I like bailed and I was like, yeah, I can't go. Like I couldn't roll. I couldn't go. I think I don't even know why, but here we are. So I'm glad it was good though. I was going to say it was, the reservation was still utilized. So thank you very much for that. Um, It was, it was a grand old night and that was, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And like the start of a budding friendship um, Uh or a more budding friendship, I should say uh, with Dave and now by proxy you. And I love it. I love it. I know it's a small world that we work in, but I, I want to get your thoughts because you spent a lot of time, you know, with the Bucks, And so obviously, you know, NFC and it was, you know, with Brady going down there, they were kind of like one of the, one of the top teams to beat. Right. And then, and the, the Cowboys come in, Man, I am just like getting all of the, like I've got a dog in the background. I've got, yeah, I've got yeah. Dave's dog in the background. You guys are getting like the authentic experience. This is why we're a podcast. Um, but like, I, I feel like the Cowboys went down there. And as they always are every off season, it's like, oh, they're going to make a, make a run of the whole thing. Like, you know, X, Y, Z, you've got all the pieces, right? And, but then they go down to Tampa and they opened some eyes. Like, even though they didn't leave with a win, it felt like people were like, oh, okay. Like, we see you, Dallas. Were you surprised by like that performance? And then like ultimately where the Cowboys ended up being, because you know, now in your new role, you're covering more of the whole NFL. So, um, you know, just thinking a little bit more bigger picture here, like the trajectory of their sure. season, like, I feel like they started off so strong and then you're like, oh, should we have expected this all along? Or was that a, was that like a, like a fluke? Or do you think it was just like, I mean, like it happens, like you, they just couldn't get it done. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, yeah, broaden my lens. Cause this is my job. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like when the Cowboys came to town, there was, I was not surprised at all. And I mean, it, it came down to Tom Brady being Tom Brady or having to be Tom Brady and lead that comeback with um, some extra assistance by Chris Godwin and then ultimately Ryan Suckup to kick the game-winning field goal. But 
I wasn't surprised at all. I knew that game could go either way. I was I was nervous about that game. I wanted the Bucks to get off on on the right foot for their quest to repeat. Um, and you you really do though. You learn how hard that is in going through this season, and you really do get everyone's best shot. Um, but that was I don't I mean it, it was a great effort by the Cowboys. By far not their best game. Like you know they went on a tear after that, and then yeah tapered off lost all semblance of offense. I don't know if it was a matter of just not adjusting and teams figured them out after they had some film on them. And, you know, it was just like all downhill from there. I know that it's been like, just, it was, it was a hamster wheel. It's been a hamster wheel for Cowboys fans. Um, You know, you get your hopes up. There's just like, there's the cycle, right? And it's like every year, like you were saying, you know, you, you get these pieces, you, you're maybe one or two guys away. You feel good about who you got. Maybe, you know, like some adjustments are made on the coaching staff. You're like, okay, finally, like we can do this. Like we, there's no reason we can't do this. Right. And then for whatever reason, it crashes and burns. And um, yeah, I don't, I like, I don't know what that's necessarily like because any fan base that I've ever been a fan of, I grew up in Chicago. Yeah. The bears were horrible. <laughs> until they weren't the bucks were horrible until they weren't so yeah. it's like i never had this cyclical hope every single season yeah and i can't imagine the roller coaster that you guys are going on but from an outsider's perspective it's like this is what the cowboys do and <laughs> it's and like i don't know how you trust this team um you know going forward because it just seems that as many of the pieces as you can have and and how everything could look so perfect on paper. Yeah. It still just doesn't work out. And that has to be the most frustrating thing. It, it um, totally is. Or, yeah. it, it, it totally is. Cause like, I think, you know, I, I think I tweeted this, I've said this multiple times, like at the end of the season, I was like, it's so frustrating. to feel like you have all the pieces and you can't get it done. And everyone's like, Oh, like, what do you mean you have all the pieces? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like in the salary cap era, you have all the pieces, like, stop it. Like you can't have, a freaking super team that doesn't exist. They literally have a salary cap because of that. But well, and that you know, I think that you have gotten. I mean, like the Bucks in a lot of ways were kind of the start of this, and then we saw this last year with the Rams, where you you get you go real hard in free agency at some veteran, yeah. very established players. You get very very creative in your accounting, and it does take a little bit of kind of leveraging your future. Um, and you've seen that blueprint now work twice, Yep. but that, that being said, I, that's clearly not the only way to do it. And I, I like, again, it's just, you have everything on paper can be perfect, but, and that's, and that's, I have to have to imagine is the most frustrating part because there's nothing that you can point to and be like, all right, well, if you fix this, that's definitely an upgrade. If we fix this, like there's yeah. no tangible solution and it sucks. It yeah, because <laughs> I want to get your perspective too. like as someone who's been a part of a team that won the entire thing. And like, like we just talked about, had multiple pieces that when you put them together, or you write them down on paper, you're like, yeah, this is a, re- a winning recipe. Right. But yeah. then, you know, the Cowboys obviously had a letdown of, a, of the end of the season. And, but you bring back your offensive, you're bringing back both coordinators, which is shocking to me. Like that is out. No. I mean, I like it. I feel like a fraud because when Dan Quinn came back to the Cowboys, I was like, I obviously have no idea what I'm talking about because I would have never in a million years guessed. I, I thought Dan was for sure. I thought GQ was for sure gone. Me too. I, I really did. I really did. Cause like, 
his departure from Atlanta wasn't like, oh God, like we suck so, so bad. It was like, it was just, they needed something fresh. It was, yeah. I feel like it wasn't malicious. It like, you're like, you know, we can't continue on this mediocre road of mediocrity. Um, but he was a good coach and he did a lot with a very little, I think in Atlanta and, and helped them get pretty darn close. Um, and so I just feel like he was just, he was going to take that year off, be the coordinator. And then boom, he was going to be right back in a head coaching job because people recognize how good of a coach he is. And he could have been same with, and he could have been. And then, and that was the same with, you know, Todd Bowles um, really thought that, I mean, we thought that the team was going to lose him before the Super Bowl season. Yeah. Um, after the, even after the first year, after the Super Bowl year thought it was again, like, yeah, he's got to be gone after this year thought, you know, and now you've got Byron interviewing and it's just like, yeah, this, this team could look radically different. Um, not only from a player perspective, but from a personnel perspective, from a staff perspective, um, you get both guys back. And I think that goes a long way in continuity. I think everyone's like, Oh, well, Brady's gone, but like, all right, there was a great team here before Brady got here. That's what got Brady there. Yeah. Um, and I think that you look at the 2019 season, which was Bruce's first and if Jameis throws maybe half of those interceptions, I think you were looking at a playoff team. Interesting. So, like my boldest take, which I like, I hit the ground running here at TDN and they, I was on one of their podcasts, the draft dudes podcast, which you should all check out. It's great. Um, and Kyle Krabs asked me, put me on a spot. Like, what's your hottest take right now? <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, so I'm, like, I'm like day one where like, I've been so hyper-focused on one team. So I stuck with what I knew. And I legitimately said, I think that the Bucs can win 10 games with Blaine Gabbard at quarterback. Uh, that was my hot hey. take. Because I'm like, people are not like, this team is not getting blown up, blown up. Like yeah. you have a very formidable defense. You've returned your defensive coordinator who is a, like a, evil genius when it comes to like I call him diabolical yeah I call him to his face all the time (laughs) um I'm like you were just a diabolical mad scientist when it comes to defense that defense can take you you know can pretty much carry you through a season as long as you don't mess it up on the other side don't put them in sudden change situations don't turn the ball over but you don't need to score a ton of points because they're not going to let up a ton of points right so even like the yardage is one thing but that's kind of a Todd Bowles like signature he's like I don't care how many yards you get how many times you get in that end zone Right. Oh, none. Okay, great. I don't care. You can go up and down the field between the twenties, especially all you want. You can wear yourself out. Go for it, baby. Wear yourself, yeah, please do. And so like, you're not going to need the offensive production. That, I mean, granted Bruce's offense is very potent, but you're not going to need that. So yeah. yeah, like you can get a game manager in there and especially with the, uh, I believe like the pandemic supply chain shortage has apparently hit <laughs> the NFL quarterback market. um you're like like you got you're you don't really have a ton of options so that was that was my hottest take I I actually I'm sorry to get on a tangent no no (laughs) I actually like love that because it it really does like go into my thought process of like how likely is it for a team that had success in a previous season to be able to turn around and either recreate or build off that success because you know like again like you have the Super Bowl and like you could say like we had all these pieces but then inevitably because of the salary cap, you end up losing guys. Like if you do so well, like their market price go, I mean, it just, there's this, yes. Like there's this whole entire cycle. So it's like, is it really a feasible narrative to say, Hey, listen, like we're going to build upon last season. Like, is that even a real thing in the NFL anymore? I, I, I don't know. And I think that 
it looks like there it's a possibility and until you go into the execution mode i mean like look at the kansas city chiefs everyone's talking like oh they got the makings of a dynasty yeah and then what they they won super bowl like it's like the one's a rule victory and, and like yes they've had success they've gotten there multiple times um in the last few years but like it is hard to repeat like for so many me for myriad reasons what like being what you just said where players you know stock goes up their price goes up can't keep everyone um i think the bucks were very lucky this past season to be able to do that but you also had the super glue of players in tom brady that's going to make people stay stay together as much as possible because you you think that there's a real chance that you can repeat obviously but that's it's a hard sell usually um People are going to, you know, take the money and they're businessmen uh, after all. So I will say, like, when the Bucs won the Super Bowl, I did kind of look around and I was like, part of me even was like, and plus it was a COVID year. I was just like, this team, this it wasn't exactly what I envisioned. Like, there was tons of problems. There yeah. was tons of adversity. There was tons of things that these guys had to overcome. It wasn't smooth sailing. And I was like, how did this team win a Super Bowl? And then you realize it was their reaction to that adversity. Yeah. And like the teams that do well, the teams that actually ultimately have success are not the ones where everything is perfect the entire ride. It's the ones that do face a lot of challenges and then overcome them. And I think that that was a really big distinction that I learned in that season. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, those, that adversity proved too much uh, in the form of injuries this last season for the Bucks. Plus, you do. You get every team's best shot. And any team can play well for one game. Yeah, they did. They but did against against the Bucks. Exaggerations and half truths aren't new in politics, but now with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast. Stay tuned with Preet for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. And, but that's like my whole thing too, is like, I, I look at that and I think, okay, yeah, you can do it once. But then my other side of my brain is like, if you can do it once, you can do it again. Like you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So why fair, not? Yeah. I it's a fair assessment. Cause yeah. Like once you've seen the blueprint um, and you've seen that it works. Yeah. Like theoretically you should be able to replicate that, but yeah. that's just the other addition of hashtag this league hashtag um, where this things league. go wrong. And there's a, there's a, there is a tremendous amount of luck also involved like in the 2020 super bowl season the bucks were knock on wood 
pretty healthy, except with the exception of, I mean, the major injury there was Vita Vea for most of the season, but he came back for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, or for the NFC championship and then ultimately the Super Bowl. But um it was just this this past season was like the injury bug was just on a vendetta. Like it they that injury bug apparently believes in karma because they're like, all right, we let you guys slide in 2020 and 2021. We're literally coming around to bite you in the ass. Yeah. So, and that's, that's just luck, man. Like that's not, you can't do anything about that stuff. So not only do the stars have to align as far as building the roster, having the coaches, the scheme, you know, maybe some help from the schedule even, but then you just got to have some luck. Yeah. So what I'm hearing, maybe that's what the Cowboys are missing. I know. I'm like, so what I'm hearing from you is that Jerry Jones, needs to sell his soul a little bit more or something like things like where's the devil to do a deal with. We need it. Not already. I know. <laughs> Come on. Um, so we talk about like adding, you know, players, like obviously you're in Indianapolis with the combine, and this is going to be a big talking point for the next couple months for, again, very obvious reasons. I want to dive into more of the work that you're doing, you know, and, and just in general, like peel back the curtain from, from the outsider's perspective, like someone who's never been there before, someone who maybe hasn't tuned in to all of the combine drills on TV this week, like what's it like at the combine? I'm sure it feels good to be back in person. Like it was, a very weird virtual pseudo virtual thing for the past couple of seasons. The NFL just released um, their memo this week that they are lifting all COVID protocols. So I, I'm afraid to call anything normal at this point, but like it, right. uh, let's just say like there's a new normal that is back in business. So I'd love to just kind of right. hear what it's like, what are some of the main storylines and, and what you've been up to this week? Yeah. Well, so drills only technically started today, I've been here since Monday. A lot of people have been. Um, media started on Tuesday. And so what they do is you're in the Indianapolis Convention Center, big, these giant ballrooms, and you got these podiums set up everywhere. And they bring prospects by position group to each podium. And you sit there in these little scrums. And it, it did. It felt good to be back in these media scrums as much as we all hate them. <laughs> um, it was. It's like that little bit of like nostalgia almost. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, I'm back in my element. It's not a great element, but I'm back in it anyway. Um, and it, you get to talk to, you know, these guys and, and meanwhile, these, the prospects are going through meetings with all the individual teams. And this is where like the big brass comes in, right? It's not just the scouts that are on the road that have, you know, plucked these guys and, 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 you know, followed their entire careers up until this point. Now you get interviews with head coaches, with GMs, sometimes owners, like you have all of the big guys, the big guns in the room, um, and so that like I can't stress enough like what this is like for prospects because you know they're up at like 5 30 every morning to start meetings and then they have to do media and then like they're on they're in meetings the rest of the day till like 11 p.m at night and then like after three four days of this then they have to go and have the best workout of their lives um <laughs> casual it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense but from a coverage standpoint from a media standpoint uh, it's long days too. I mean, you know, media starts at 8 a.m. every morning, goes till, you know, about 2.30. And then you, then that that's when you have to write. And then there's a radio row, um, just like there is at the Super Bowl, every major event where you're just kind of all exchanging information. You're all in the same place. You're all, you know, you're debating back and forth, this prospect, that prospect, will they fit with this team? How does it look? You know, you're asking these prospects who have you met with? What, you know, what do you think you bring to the table? All this kind of stuff. So you can kind of shape this whole pre-draft process that has become such a spectacle. Um, Cause the NFL has to, you know, I, I feel like the NFL is 
like Regina George. Like that just has to be in the limelight all of the time. 100%. One way or the other, like they do a very good job of staying relevant. So this whole pre-draft process has just become such a talking point, you know, and such a spectacle. So you've got all the national media in town. And so I've been kind of, I've done the podium sessions, you know, asking questions that just kind of pop in your head. And and I've done a lot of coverage already for TDN. Uh, I've been writing about three, four articles a day for them. So it's like, hey. Um, and then you also just kind of get to like, you go on to people's podcasts, uh, you meet with national media, you know, you kind of <laughs> get their thoughts about things and all the while you're working all those back channels too. So then at night you're going out and, and you're, you're rubbing elbows with the people that, you know, are your sources and, and where you get your information. And, you know, there's all this back channeling that goes on, um, which is where most of the deals get done, whether that's media, whether that's personnel wise. Um, and it's just, it's kind of this fun, I don't know, like you don't really report on what a lot of what you see. Yeah. There's just an other, it's an unwritten rule of like, this is just, this is what happens. This is where things get done. And this is our safe space. That's really circle of trust. Yes. Like that's really funny. Cause Dave was telling me that he's like, I feel like he's like the, the conversations that I have there, like a lot of times there's a very strong football and media separation, right? Like the football right. side of the house is very separated from the media yes. side of the house. And like, it is yes. treated as such. And he's like, but I feel like when I get to Indy, like, it's just the walls are down. And like, I can yep. see some of the scouts on the team and not that they're not friendly in real life, but like, it's just like, it's like, you feel like there's a different level of camaraderie that you have there that he was kind of describing that to me. And I just thought that was so interesting. Like you're excited to see these people. And they're like, Oh man, come have a drink with us or whatever. And yes, you know what yes. I mean? Whereas like normally in like the halls, it's like, Hey man, like maybe don't ask me that question. Like right now, like, right, right back in Dallas. Right. I know, like in that context, you're buttoned up, you're you're separated, you know, like your roles, you stay in your lanes, right? There are no lanes in Indy, which is ironic given like, the, you know, the Indy 500, this is a big racing town. It's like, <laughs> there are no lanes. Everyone just goes and merges and everything like that. And it's, it is really fun. I mean, Dave was saying that he, he was out to lunch with McCarthy. And yes! McCarthy, like McCarthy took the entire media, the, the beat out, the local beat out. Yeah. For lunch. And like, like, and what other circumstances, what other context are you sitting there shooting shit with, you know, your head coach, Correct. you know, on, and like, and like, you just kind of happen upon these situations too. Like it just kind of like flows and you go out and you find this person at this bar and they lead you to this person. And it's just, it's just a big networking kind of media and everyone's just, and this year, especially given that, you know, we didn't have this experience last year. I think everyone has a renewed sense of appreciation for everything that goes down here sure. as tiring and um, as, as like lack of help, as much lack of sleep, sleep as you get. I can't even form real sentences right now. <laughs> and I'm, I, I, I'm here until Sunday. So I, it's a marathon, Kels. It's not a sprint. <laughs> Let's go. Holy cow. That gives me big training camp vibes where I was like so energized like uh, the first two weeks. And like, then come week five, I'm like, get me out of here right out. now. Get me this out. This is like, this is like a, like a shortened version of, yeah, all those training camp feels where it's like first day of school, everyone's back. You're so excited to see everybody. You're so excited to get back in the grind of things. And then yeah, after a couple of days, you're like, I, 
nope, done with this. I'm, yeah. I'm out. Like, I'm going back but, to my hotel so I can go, like, take a nap and watch some Netflix. Take a nap. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I want to know about, like, what some of the things that you're writing about, some of the some of the storylines this week for people that want to kind of dive in. This will go out on Friday. We're, we're, we are recording this on Thursday night like we always do. So um, you guys will have, you know, the weekend to read more of her stuff. But, I, you know, give us the scoop on some of the high-level intel that you're gathering thus far. Yeah, so um, I mentioned that, you know, these media sessions are set up kind of by position groups. So the way we've been doing it, the way I've been doing it is I have kind of assigned prospects to attend their media sessions and then just kind of see what I see, hear what I hear, um, you know, pick out certain things that these guys say and and cover it a little bit. So like I said, three, four articles a day have been coming, has been coming just for me, the whole TDN squad, you know, there's multiple uh, writers pushing out all this stuff. But I mean, the big storyline here is, you know, this, this quarterback class, we just, we touched on it briefly, how like, there's no inventory in free agency. There ain't a lot of inventory in the draft either. Um, wow. You know, I've heard, I've heard multiple um, people like, like on either side, media side, scouting side, like realistically, there may not be a first round graded quarterback in this class. So wow. it's like, not that that's not to say that a quarterback won't go in the first round, obviously, but that's not the caliber of guys you're looking at. So um, it's been very interesting guys like, you know, Kenny Pickett talked to him. He was in the senior bowl. You kind of like have gotten a little bit Malik Willis, all those guys, very intriguing guys, but you already have some like, the size thing slays me. Oh my God. Oh my God. You it know how like demoralizing that must be as a, like anyone in general, like as a man, so you can just go like the preconceived notions that people draw from that. They're like, Oh, Kenny has small hands. Like how embarrassing. And I mean, like, I understand, um, you know, you look, you just, you pick apart absolutely every detail of these guys. And I, I mean, I found myself, I did it myself with Matt Corral, who's not throwing. So he suffered a high ankle sprain in the team's bowl game. And, you know, was very adamant. He's like, I never thought I was going to sit out and never entertain that idea. I still don't regret it, even though I got hurt. And then like, he's not throwing and you're like, all right, that means, you know, he's, he's not super, he's not, he's still not hundred percent healthy. Well, then he gets up on the podium and he says, yeah, I've been throwing at hundred percent. I've been taking dropbacks for two and a half weeks. I'm doing it pain-free finally. All this other stuff. And we're like, then why aren't you throwing dude? And so you're getting mixed messages. And then during his, this is where I'm talking about, like, I am now feeding into, like, the nitpicking every little detail. Yeah. After about 15 minutes, he was up at the podium, and he was standing. And he had been standing for 15 minutes, and then all of a sudden, he just had to sit down. And I was like, all right, you're telling me one thing, but your body language is telling me another, and then you saying you're not going to throw is reinforcing that to me. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and say you're not healthy. Um, and he said he's going to throw in his pro day, but I'm like, Hey, like your pro day. Yeah. Everything is familiar. It's a lot easier. It's, you know, these things are catered towards these prospects for, you know, set him up for success, which is great. Yeah. But I really thought that Matt Corral had a very good opportunity to prove himself in a lackluster quarterback class as QB one. Yeah. I'm like, if you have that much, you know, a confidence in yourself and all these guys do go out there and throw and give these guys a head to head comparison and show them that you are QB one. Yeah. I'm like, you have that, like, this is, this is your chance. Why aren't you taking it? Yeah. So I'm like, that's, that's kind of, uh, that was one of the big storylines that I focused on. And then, yeah, the Kenny Pickett hand size, like he got asked so many questions about that. <laughs> so painful. And I'm just like, he's like, 
I play in weather. I can grip the ball. I don't like my accuracy hasn't suffered. So I don't know what y'all want from me. Yeah. Um, like I literally he, can't he, change it. Like there's nothing. I can't lift weights. Like there's nothing no. I can do. So that's what's funny is then he goes into, apparently he's been doing, he's been working with some sort of specialist no! to like stretch out his hands. I'm not kidding, Kelsey. What? He's going through and he's like, I've been doing these exercises for months to try and like stretch my hands so that oh. when they measure, I can like whatever. And oh. I'm like, there's, there's, where are we as a society that we are now like, there's oh. a specialist for stretching out hands. There's no way that's oh. backed by science and whoever is doing that oh. is robbing people. He is a right. straight up thief. And you know what? I can't decide if I'm impressed or just absolutely dismayed, but like, what the F? No way. I know. I know. And well, I'm, I'm listening to him as he's talking about this and people are asking him like, well, what kind of exercises? Like, I don't know. I can't really describe them. And I'm like, I really wanted him though to sit there and show us, but of course he wasn't going to do that. <laughs> um, but like he's, yeah. So he's getting like inundated. So then like, but like that opened a whole, whole camel can of worms. And so now you've got half of his press conference, just about his tiny hands. And I'm like, I'm thinking like all those TikToks of like, you know, like the people that hold up the little doll yeah. hands as like yeah. their hands. And I'm yeah. just like, God, this is just, you know that's coming it's out. It's a mess. It's, there's people that are going to completely yes. take some quotes out of this, like, you know, press conference. If that hasn't happened already, yeah. Whoever listen, if that hasn't happened already and someone oh. hears this and they execute it, you're welcome for the idea. Correct. Um, I will not be executing that. Uh, <laughs> whatever. But um, I got to watch, or I got to talk to some of my little, I'm, I'm a big, uh, big, big man person. Yeah. Um, I love, I love the big man. I love oh, the me trenches. too. Give me O line, give me D line. Yes. It all starts up there anyway. So yes. like, just let's go. So I got to talk to my O lineman today. Uh, super, super, like impressed with so many of these guys. Again, people are saying it's kind of an average class, but I think that there's it's saturated. Like, yeah. you know, all across the board, you got a tackle that could go, you know, as, as the number one overall pick. Yeah. Um. And so Zion Johnson was a guy that we talked to today. Um. He was just. A delight there was like every I think I described all of the guys I'm like you're just a little delight I have this like propensity to describe offensive linemen with these really cute like adjectives like they're adorable they're acute they they're are. a delight but they are like yes. they're lovely and I'm like they are these menacing gigantic humans yes like it was just it was hysterical um but and, they're big teddy bears. Uh, they are Except so, and then we, but then we go and talk to like Trevor Penning, who is Northern Iowa tackle out of North, Northern Iowa and the self-proclaimed nastiest tackle in this league. And you, 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 you have to agree, like the way he plays and like, that's kind of the big thing right now in like O-line, that's the trend is like, I want these nasty players. I want yeah. these dogs. And it works like coming from the Bucks, you probably have the model citizen in nasty players, Ryan Jensen. Yeah. Uh, he does. He sets the tone for the entire line. And so, um, Penning was like, he actually looks up to more Taylor Lewan, but he was like, I want my opponent to, I want that defender to like, I want to see the fear in his eyes. I want him to want to get on that bus and go back to wherever he came from. Like he was just like, it was hysterical. But then in the same breath, he's talking about like watching like Saw movies with his mom and like, <laughs> just, like all these little things. So it was really fun to get to talk to those guys. Um, talk That's to some incredible. of the running backs today too. That's yeah. So but like, fun. yeah. So you get like their personalities and you get like, you know, all this stuff and you get a chance to kind of get to know them. Um, not only as like what the numbers show, uh, but who they are and ask them just fun questions and whatever. That's so awesome, dude. I'm like, yeah. I'm so pumped to dive into your stuff. 
I, I know I've like taken up a lot of your time already because I could talk to you forever. And so basically, <laughs> um, just so you guys know, Carmen's going to come to Dallas and hang out with all of us because uh, yep. she's my new bestie, BFFRL. Um, and I'm really excited That's- about that. And um, but I would love, I'm going to let you go because I want you to actually get a little bit of rest uh, this evening and like maybe just recharge a little bit, like have some time for yourself. I know you're not going to do that because you're going to go do more work because that's just like how you roll. I already know that about you. <laughs> but um, I would love if you would tell the good people where they can find you on all the social media platforms, where your work is, like what you're working on right now. So we can just make sure that we are all plugged into all things Carmen. Yeah, well, now you can find my work on thedraftnetwork.com. I'm still not like fully used to all this. The amount of change I've gone through in about the past week is insane. I've, I've left the Bucks, moved to Chicago, like joined the Draft Network, came to Indy. It's it's all it's nuts. So all the all my work, um, all of our work from the combine. There's so much stuff going on on the site. Please check it out if you want to follow me on social. Carmi V across all platforms. Uh, Twitter, Instagram being the main ones. So it's great. It's fun. We try to have fun with it. And now the rain, the, the shackles are off a little bit. I'm a little freer. I can say what I want. I can tweet about Chick-fil-A if I want. Let's go. Um, I can, <laughs> but I promise you it will be mostly football takes. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So that go, seems, go check it out. That seems very my brand where I'm like, it's like one day I'll have a football take and the next day I'm like, you guys, I saw Nathan, the the guy who I, I hate. saw your tweet. I saw your tweet. Yeah, that's an offline conversation for you and me on the details. But like, I was like, do I wreck him or not? And everyone's like, do it. <laughs> do it. I love like I, literally anything that like I need to be talked into. I just go to like social media and I'm like, you guys want me to do this right? And then like that's my justification for everything. Please reaffirm my debauchery. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Oh man. Please feed. Yeah. Feed me, me being a horrible person. <laughs> You're amazing, Carmen. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Make sure you are going to go follow Carmen and also the Draft Network, all her work. Obviously, it's a very big time for that, too. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the Blog of the Boys podcast. Feed wherever your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple, iTunes, or Stitcher. You can follow me. I'm on Twitter at Kelsey underscore Charles. I'm also on Instagram at Hey Kelsey Charles. And um, Meg Murray's not here. You should follow her, too. But since she's not here, Carmen, we have some words we say. I know you have to be a little unbiased because you cover the whole entire league now. But um, I'm going to go ahead and leave the crew with uh, our final saying, which is Dallas forever and Philly for never. Bye, guys. Ah. <laughs>